hello again and welcome back to the Halfways Podcast. Today, my guest is Andy, and I'm going to let Andy, the amazing Andy, introduce herself, and then we're going to talk about intuition from multiple perspectives. Well, thank you, Allison. I'm Andy Scarantino. I'm a mindset and transformational coach, and I specialize in identity work. And I work with women on areas of limiting beliefs and lack of motivation, people-pleasing, and a a strong focus in in the health department with limiting beliefs with regards to health. And um, I'm really happy to be here, and I'm excited to talk about – I'm just – I'm excited to talk. I'm excited for the conversation. So what spurred this – on was you sent an email and it really sort of struck a chord with me. And the concept was that day one, you explain it, day one is what? Well, so day one. So day one is an interesting is an interesting concept and it's something that I've been living by by the past couple of years. So just to give like a brief overview of how I found day one, somebody that I admire that was a mentor of mine a couple of years ago posted day one on his Instagram. And I was like, oh, he's starting something new. This is inspiring because this is somebody that I drew a lot of motivation from. And then the next day he posted day one. And I was like, I wonder what happened yesterday. Like, that's a little bit weird. And then the next day he posted day one. And I was like, this is very strange. Like, But after about a week, I figured out that it was day one every day. And that day one is the only day that we really have. I'm very big on present moment awareness. Eastern philosophy come, plays a, a big part into what I do in terms of coaching, being in the eternal now. And day one, a lot of people, especially women that I work with, tend to want to live in a place that they are not. So in 30 pounds, when I get that promotion, when my husband retires, when my children are this, it's always some other time than right now. And so day one is the way that I have managed to be able to make a lot of motion in my life in a very short period of time because I was stuck for many, many years. I was stuck in my body. I was stuck in – I was very overweight. I smoked for 18 years. I was stuck in a job for 11 years that was terrible. I was working in a restaurant with a cartoon on my visor. I have a master's degree from a a really great school, and I felt I was unqualified to do anything. I mean, like, this is like – This is the sort of, because I was always looking at what I wanted and it was so far away. So I couldn't move. Like I couldn't make any motion in any area. And then I started just focusing on today, right now, and seeing what I could do today and building from today, day one. And as I wrote in that email, and I think, um, I, I know what you were talking about when you asked the question. It was that day one is the, is the day of greatest motivation. And I, I work with a lot of women who have been through some trauma with diet culture. And they'll talk about how day one is triggering because it reminds them of the starting over. Like the the time when, oh, day one, the day of a diet. And then three days later, oh, I fucked up the diet. So I'm not, you know, I'm not on the diet anymore. And you do that like 30, 40 different times with all these traumatic experiences. And I think people in sobriety experience a lot of the same thing. Like they count days and then they're anchored to a point in the past. And it's just putting a a cord between where you were and now. And if they 
even slip up one time, they feel like a complete failure. Like they fucked up everything. And it's like, well, that's not true. Like if you didn't drink for 700 days and then you drank on day 701, the next day, if you don't drink, you have 701 days of sobriety. You don't have one, you have 701. So the first day is really the day that the motivation is the highest. And if every day is day one, every day is a starting point that you're creating from that moment, you're going to be motivated. What do I feel like doing today? And I've run over 5,000 miles since the beginning of 2020. And I don't, I know people that run far more than me and I know people that run less. But if I said, I'm going to set out to run 5,000 miles, that that's hard. That's far away. Like I'm going to feel pretty inadequate before I, because it's going to take me a long time to even hit the half, you know, but what about today? I have 45 minutes to go running today. And just those micro steps, those micro actions. So day one is a concept that I've been playing with in my own life. And I, I have introduced to all the women I work with. Um, I'm starting a coaching community of that title. I'm excited about it. And it, it, it's powerful because it's very, very powerful, powerful stuff. It is powerful because it's about mindset and it really does draw what I refer to it as like a focus of attention. But here's where I drew the parallel. Here's what got me excited is when you introduced that concept, I saw that in a similar vein as when intuition hits, it's like that day one, there's an initial inspiration. There's an initial trust in that idea. There's a connection, but instantaneously on the heels of that, there can be doubt. Was that real? should I do that? You know, there's a questioning and it's almost like day one is that initial hit. And then, you know, I could draw the parallel that any of the other days are like the doubt on the heels of it, where you start to question it. But if you stay in that day one, if you stay in the trust of the initial hit of intuition, then you're good. You don't flounder as much as you would tend to, if you get caught in the heels of the limiting belief that comes right up and smacks you in the ass and goes, well, you're not really trustworthy. So what are you thinking? So it's true. You talked about day two, too. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. But day two is that is that doubt. It's the second day as opposed to the first day of that initial intuitive hit. So what is intuition to you? I always like to get people's definition because I want to ex- accentuate the idea that everybody has their own perspective and there is no one right or there is no wrong. It's just what is your relationship with the idea of the word and how does it come through? So what's your definition of it? So for me, intuition is what I feel like doing. Like that's what it is. It's just what I feel like doing today. I've always had problems with following a structure that was defined by someone else. I've never been good, and that's probably why I never got a job in corporate America. I've never been good at that um, because it's never felt natural. I don't buy groceries for the week, for example. I usually decide what I'm going to eat the day that I I wake up. I decide what I'm going to eat for breakfast at breakfast time. I decide what I'm going to eat for dinner at dinner time. I decide how many miles I'm going to run based on how my body feels. Um, and then I, I spend a lot of time, like especially with being in business, I intuition is simply what do I what do I want to do today? What do I want to create? And it flows very naturally to me. It I, I when I catch myself in the land of should, I know I have fallen out of intuition. 
That's brilliant. It's interesting too, because I just used those words. Well, I used the word normal and I used the word natural in my book. And I wrote a whole paragraph about how normal is what people try to be. Normal is the training. Natural is who you are, which is what you're describing, which is I'm naturally inclined to do this right now, or I'm naturally inclined to do that. That feels fun versus normalcy is what people strive for, but it's it's the should. I, I should be normal. I should be like everyone else. I should do this. I should do that. And that fucks everything up because you don't want to be normal. You want to be natural. You want to be tuned in. You know, you want to be tapped into what's going on. Um, in my opinion, it feels better the way I resonate with those words. And as a writer, you know, I'm sure you have certain resonance with certain words um, yourself, you know, natural versus normal intuition, all of that. How do you then recognize and let's pull these two concepts together. So day one and intuition for you, is it, is intuition coming through to hold you in the vibration of what we've talked about being day one? Um, yes. So it was really you that said this about any time you feel fear, it's a limiting belief. It's not, it's not intuition. And I think that when it comes to day one, it's always, it's always about what feels good and right and certain and like certain in that moment. Um, and that's where, you know, intuition and day one kind of play, play into each other's because I, I can decide in that day what is supposed to happen. And I'm not a planner. I'm not somebody that uses a planner, um, despite many people trying to make me do so. Because there are things that happen that I just feel like doing. And I I don't end every single day. I, I end every single day feeling accomplished because I have at least acted on one intuitive hit throughout that day. I mean, I'm going to just use those words because they're familiar with people to sort of, people can sort of understand them. Um, and I never finish a day feeling like I fucked up that day or that I didn't get things done because there are sure I have goals and I have things that are, that are structured out that I've written myself, but there's always at least one or two things that I just feel like doing. Like we're doing this podcast right now. We've planned this. This was on my calendar. I'm excited to be here doing this. And then there were other things I did today that I didn't know I was going to do until the day happened. So usually it's those things that are the, the, the guiding light of day one. Like those are the other things. Like we have the things that we structure out and then I've sort of planned out for the week and depending on, you know, my work and my schedule. And then there's always those other things. Like I don't plan to do Instagram lives. Just some days I feel like doing one. Some days I feel like, and it, it happened like with my email that I wrote yesterday. I wrote an email yesterday and in the morning I sat down to write the email and I just could not, for lack of a better word, sorry about the profanity, but shit out this email. Like I just couldn't. I sat like, like agonizing over this email and I finally said, ah, fuck it. I gotta go. Like I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here and go running because I have a podcast interview with somebody for my podcast for next week. And so I'm like, I'm not going to force this. This email is fine. I could send it out into the world. It's fine. I can do that. But I don't like it, so I'm not going to send it out. I'm going to say, fuck it. I don't want to send it out. I don't care. 
And it turned out that the email, that the interview that I did for the podcast was exactly what I wanted to say in my email. Like it was exactly what I wanted to say. And there was a reason that I waited. There was a reason like that, that gut feeling of, mm, this email isn't right. Don't send this. Like it was fine enough. Like I'm sure people that were on, are on my list would be like, this is a great email. But for me, mm, it just wasn't, it wasn't. And I just knew. And it's those feelings that, that I, I have once or twice every day. And those are the things that really matter because I know that those are the things that I'm not using the rational mind to decide. They're coming from somewhere else. And I'm just following the path. So day one. So let's dig into that though, because you said a lot in there that I think many, 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 many people wrestle with. Some, some of those things you said were like, I end the day feeling accomplished versus like I didn't do enough. Um, Let's just start there. What did your journey look like to get to that place? And then we'll dive into what you just described at the end there is what I call synchronicity, you know, the pausing to find the synchronous moment. So start with the, how do you get to the place where you feel accomplished every single day? Because that's tough for people. Yeah. It's, it's a couple of things. So I have a background in sociology, so I'm, I'm always rallying against Western society and Western programming. So that's the first thing. I think it does us dirty. And I know that you've spoken about standardized education in a lot of talks that I've listened to of yours. So I know we have some agreement in that area. So just that, just that alone has been helpful to me in my journey. Where this really started um, in terms of getting into coaching and personal development and doing the work that I do now, working with women, that started at the beginning of COVID. And I was still working in my shitty job that I couldn't stand. And I I was kind of stuck. And I was, I was speaking with this coach who became a mentor of mine. And, you know, we we're talking like once in a while, but he was just kind of planting the seeds in my mind about things could be different. And right after that COVID happened and everybody lost their job. And now I was sitting here with a mountain of available time. And I thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to wake up every day. And if I do one thing today that I didn't do yesterday, then I had a successful day. So it, it started that way for a while. I would wake up and I would be like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't, I'm not going to plan it out, but something is going to present itself to me. And things just started to do that. Like different things that I should read just presented themselves. I don't go looking for what I should read. Usually they're recommendations. Like this just happened to me recently. I'm studying Kabbalah. And in Kabbalah 1, the instructor said, was talking about, oh, I just, I just heard about this book called The Surrender Experiment. And it was by Michael Singer. And I re read The Untethered Soul. And I was like, oh, maybe I should read that. And it's great. You know, and it was like, it's one of those things where it was just every day there would just be something. And I just started following, like following the white rabbit. You know, I just kept following the path. And when I was ready to make it bigger, then I knew that it would be laid out for me. Like I had planned getthefuckoff.com as my website to make person, you know, I designed that to make personal development digestible. And I started teasing for that. And um, I started breadcrumbing on Instagram, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to put out this Instagram post today. And one of my friends wrote, please tell me this is going to be a podcast because that sounds great. And I thought, I never had that idea, but that, that sticks out to me. Okay. 
So for me, that was the thing that was sent to me that day. I didn't create the podcast that day, but I was fed that that day. And so to me, that was like, okay, this day is a win because I received that. And if I never created that podcast, I would not be sitting here with you. I wouldn't have been a beta tester for Wisdom App. We wouldn't have connected in the circles that we connected in. Like none of that stuff would have happened had I not started that podcast. And I started that podcast not knowing at all how to do that. But I just, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. It's right here. And that to me is accomplishment. Every day, even if I don't do the thing, if I received that day, I know that I've, I'm here. I'm here now. Day one. Let's just stay there for a second too, because you also said a massive statement in a very nonchalant way. You said, I I received. Yes. Yes. You said, I received. I received. And that's enough. Yeah. Do you know how many people don't receive and think that it's never enough? I receive and it's enough. I received the idea and I played with it and it was enough. That's massive. It's massive. It's life changing. So let's just take a moment of silence. (laughs) I I feel your energy though. That's the thing. It's coming through my, (laughs) it's coming, it's coming through. So uh, very powerfully right now for me. It's huge. I mean, it's one of the things that I try to invite people into as a teacher is this concept of receiving and whatever it is you receive, that being enough, like an idea, just playing with an idea, being okay, being excited about the idea, not having to create it to call it an accomplishment. And when I heard you speaking, what I was putting, what I was putting little pinpoints on in your sentences was synchronicity. And I could see if I was just listening and paying attention in a synchronistic moment, a book came up, you know, pin, put a pinprick in that, you know, put a pin in it. And then farther down the sentence, there was another synchronous moment, put a pin in it. And it, and when you line up all of those pins, what you get is you spell out the word trust. It's like, there's trust in the universe. There's trust in my process and there's ease and there's flow and then there's reception. And those are all of the things that I want to have conversations about to invite people in because that's life-changing. So powerful. So beautiful. It really is. And receiving is, is difficult for a lot of people. I've certainly had trouble receiving in other areas. I've had trouble receiving love. I've had trouble receiving money. There are areas that I certainly struggle in with receiving. Receiving ideas has always been easier. And I trust, I do, I have that trust that if something stands out to me, I know that that's something that I need to pay attention to. And I can't explain it. I can't explain why because people tell me to read books all the time. And most of the time I don't. It's it's just those things. And that was like, you know, I remember Tony Robbins does this five-day free thing on Facebook every January. And I watched like, not the one this year, but the one I think last year. And I wasn't really watching the whole thing. You know, I work for home. It was, it's on. And it just happened that when I tuned into it, he was 
I think it was him that was interviewing the woman that created Spanx. And she was telling this incredible story. And she said, and my father gave me this set of tapes. And she was talking about, I think, losing a friend when she was young. My father gave me this set of tapes. And it's Wayne Dyer's How to Be a No Limit Person. And, you know, that whole community, that whole Facebook page, that whole talk was loaded with information. But that stood out to me. And I was like, Wayne Dyer, How to Be a No Limit Person. That's what's next. And it, it was... It, it, that was just, that was the thing that was, and being introduced to Wayne Dyer changed my life in a, in a whole variety of ways as well. But I didn't, I didn't go looking. It was just, that's what's next. It's like that feeling of that's next. And I can't describe it in any other well, way. Well, I was going to ask you to try to dig in and find different words for what is the either sensation? What is, is it an expansion of energy for you? Is it a sort of an uptick of excitement? Is it how does it resonate with you when you know what your next best step is? Because to me, that's intuition. That's that's what it is to me. So, it's definitely excitement. Excitement is is the thing that resonates most strongly with me in that. It's excitement. I, I just have this feeling that I'm excited, and it's certainty. It's a certain excitement. It's like this is what's next. This is like when that woman said, "Please tell me this is a podcast." I was like, "This is what's next." Of course. <laughs> this is what's next, you know? And I and I remember just being so excited that the path revealed itself and I didn't have to do anything. This is another thing that I find, and I'm sure that you probably see it all the time, is when people say, what do you mean I don't have to do anything? And I'm like, well, you will always be doing. You're a human, so you're always doing, always you're breathing, you're sitting in the chair, you're drinking the coffee, you're on this podcast interview, you know, you're doing, you're always doing. And also, there's just, there's the rest of it that you don't really have to do much at all. And it's just, that's the receiving. The... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to know what your definition of motivation is too, because I remember when I, I sort of clarified my own relationship with these two words. And so as they cleared themselves up through the fog, motivation became something that worked with belief systems and inspiration was something that came naturally out of what you're talking about, that connection. What is your definition of motivation versus inspiration? Well, motivation I find is caused by action. So the more you act, the more motivated you are to act. And that seems to be the most true, and I didn't make that up. That definitely came from plenty of other sources, Mark Manson to be one that I remember off the top of my head. But motivation doesn't cause action. Action causes motivation. So motivation is that, is that action and that willingness. Um, and inspiration is what I see as following the path. So my motivation to, to run I'm, I'm motivated to run. And when I take days off from running, I'm less motivated to do so because I, <laughs> I just am. And when I'm at rest, I want to stay at rest. So I think the inspiration is the thing that will put me into motion. And then my motivation is what keeps me in motion via action. And I don't know if that definition was made any sense. I mean, I, I feel like it did to me, but I don't know if that exactly translated for 
for everybody listening. So if it didn't, I apologize. It sounds like momentum. It's like when the ball gets rolling, the ball keeps rolling type of thing. Mm -hmm. It's easier to get going. Um, Do you remember when, or if you have always had, I want to flip flop a little bit back to the words, a relationship with words or language or writing that was easy because it seems like you really like it. You're a great writer. Was there always that trust in your relationship with that or did it change at one point? It always was there. I wrote my first book when I was six or five. It was called My Car and I used the only words I knew to write, to draw a little story of a little red car that went for a drive and then went home. That's that awesome. was the first. Yeah. But you know what, Allison? It's interesting about writing. I, when I was younger, I, I felt very isolated in my family. Um, I'm the oldest of three. I have a brother with special needs. There was a lot of, there was a lot of, there was a lot of fucking chaos in my house growing up. There was, my, my father had mental illness. He didn't live with me, but there was just a lot of chaos in a lot of ways. And I didn't have a voice in my family. Nobody was really interested in what I had to say or what I was experiencing. At least that was my perception at the time. So I turned to the internet. And because I'm an older millennial, I'm in the first group of millennials. I'm born in 1985. Um, I grew up without the internet, but then came of age with it. And at that time, when I was a teenager going through my teen angst and couldn't find a lot of support in my family or in my community, I would go and I would write on these sites like Zenga and LiveJournal and later MySpace blogs and then following that blogger, but, you know, really early on and just dump my thoughts into these documents. I don't know if anyone read these things. I still have a, I did make a couple of friends with, you know, using my voice in that way, but I just would do that. And I think we've talked about this more than once about how I not only was a cathartic, but also I could hear my own voice and I could read my, my own thoughts and I could understand them in ways that I couldn't always understand them if they were just in my head. So I started this thought dump for no one's no one's benefit but mine. Like it was all for me. And I started writing publicly recently and I did a bunch, you know, years ago. And that was, even now it's still for me. But when I write things like an email, those are usually to one person that I have a connection to. The whole list reads it, but it's to one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think of that as your intuitive guidance when you were little, follow the place that feels good, follow the place that feels easy, follow the place that feels fun. And so, you know, that muscle, that, that experience has led to ease. And the reason I point that out is I, you know, anyone listening, I want them to find that place that's easy for them too, because that's usually where you're going to begin to identify the intuitive hits that you're getting. Um, You know, you'll find that motivation, you'll find that inspiration, it will feel easy. And that's a good place to start getting into a relationship with this concept and, you know, poking around in it and seeing what it holds for you. Absolutely. What about running? Running is the, running was the same. I was thinking about running when you were saying what feels easy, because again, in my work, I, I have a lot of people that are resistant to 
a lot of women are resistant to different exercise or they're resistant to they're resistant to things. And a lot of that is because of the story that they've been told and the trauma that they've gone through with diet culture and things like that. But if you do what you love, then it's not work. So I have not, not one, but two clients right now that like to dance a lot. Like they really like to dance. And there's resistance with, with one of them in terms of going to the gym and doesn't really care for it and like doesn't really want to do all that. She likes to dance. It's like, well, then, that, then go dance. Like you were, we're meant to move our bodies. What feels right? Dancing does not feel right to me, but running does. And I started running because I had a really, this is when I was still drinking and I had, I had a best friend and he drank a lot and would get abusive when he drank a lot. And I drank a lot. So I didn't have great coping skills. And the way that I dealt with that, because it was just bottled up and I didn't know what to do with it, was I went to the gym and I started running. And distance running, which I didn't discover for years, like years later, just was always something that never felt like work. Like, sure, it was hard. And it it wasn't easy in the beginning because your body does have to learn. You know, you don't learn to read in a day. So your body, you know, you don't, your body has to learn. Your musculoskeletal system has to learn the same as your brain has to learn, the same as everything has to learn. So of course it felt hard in the beginning, but I didn't hate it. I loved it. I loved it while I was doing it. I loved the process of it. I loved it when I was finished. I loved it. And that love really was the reason that I kept coming back to it. I do not love lifting heavy weights. So I do not lift heavy weights because I don't love it. And I don't beat myself up and say, oh, I should lift heavy weights. I'm not going to. I don't love it. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm going to do what I love. And it's just, it keeps getting better. You know, it's, it's, it's great. How often are people either shocked or um, unaware that they can choose what they love and have the results that they want? People think there's a plan that they're supposed to subscribe to. And they... I find they they feel like there's a catch. Like, what's the catch? Like, there isn't one. What what brings you joy? What are you curious about? We're not taught that, so we don't we don't follow it. You know, and that learning that was hard for me. I was like, what do you mean? Because I always thought I have to do X Y Z before I can do this. Because I thought I I just wanted to shove myself into a box like. Like I was taught and, um, no, not, not the case. People, people have a hard time. I had a hard time. Yeah. I think it's something we all need to be so attentive to. I have seen that play out this idea that there's an answer and looking for the way you think the answer is supposed to come through. And it usually looks very similar to the standardized education model where there's a teacher, teacher tells student, student receives answer, and then you're supposed to be good to go, right? And there's a lot of frustration in that. And there's a lot of confusion. And I see a, a, a confusion around how to use time 
it's to support what I love or what the person loves because they don't realize they can do what they love, that that's a, that's a, that's a legitimate answer to get the kinds of results that they want. But also when you, when you flip from this idea of there's a structure and everyone's been indoctrinated, no matter what country you live in, because every country has a different structure, but there's a structure, there's an indoctrination. And then going from that to this new thing that we're talking about, which is follow your passion, follow your excitement, believe in synchronicity. You know, I see a lot of uncertainty, a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of like confusion in that place between. Do you see that too with your clients? And, and it, just people in general, maybe people you run into or talk to. Um, it's it's a weird, it's like the deathlands between the two locations. They don't know what to do there. I don't think they they know what they love to begin with. I see I right. see a lot of that. And so it's it's like the I don't know what I love because I've kind of trained myself to be catatonic. So I don't I don't emote. I tell myself not to emote. So I don't see what's coming up for me at any given moment because I'm pushing that away and there was something that I liked and that was 30 years ago, but I, I can't do that because of this and this. And so it, it is, it's, it's a disconnect. It's a disconnect from themselves, their higher selves or their, their true selves or their, their younger self or whatever self, capital S self, it's a disconnect. And we've always had it. Like when I think back the person I was at six years old is the person that I am now and in so many ways. I mean, I, I loved to communicate and talk to strangers my whole life, for example. And now I um, I communicate and talk to strangers for a living. It's like, so it's, it's, it's interesting. It's just shit that you think, oh, and uh, we always do try to push ourselves into these Western boxes. And we like to think of the world and the manifestation as something separate. And it's it's not. It's it's just another representation. So I had a friend who uh, was kind of an asshole but said to me once, you know, it's just occurred to me that you might be a messenger from God and you might be sent to teach me this message because it seems to continue to be coming up. And I was – and I think that they were raised Catholic. I'm not really sure how this person was raised – and I was like, how the hell do you think that the universe communicates? Like, of course, different people showing up in your life is a communication from something greater than you. Like, do you think that we're autonomous? Like, we're not. We're all connected, you know? Like, do you think, really think that this is all just a coincidence? Like, somebody that ends up in line at the grocery store with you and you can't even imagine why the hell that person would have ended up at the, the grocery store. I ended up on a call with somebody a couple months ago that, I mean, the parallels in our lives, he was just a stranger and he hung out at a bar four blocks from my apartment here in the East Village in New York City. And I'm like, do you think that's a coincidence? Like, do we think that any of these things are coincidences? We think that we're so big and we're so massive. And it's like, no, everything is working for you. Everything, everything, every little tiny thing, it's all energy. So just be open to it. What you love, just follow that. Because whatever you need is going to show up somehow. And it's going to show up in people. It's going to show up in experiences. It's going to show up and it's going to show up. And you don't have to worry about anything. All you have to worry about is what do you love? What do you want to do? Okay, just 
do it. Just, just go, go into this good night. And yeah, people are like, no, 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 I got to have all this in order. I got to put all this in order first. I'm like, you're just delaying it. I'm like, you're just delaying the process. Yeah, that's, we're going to, I'm going to have you, so I'm going to add a thought and then I'm going to have you say that again, because it's the difference between, again, standardized education, where you go into a room and you're looking for the teacher to give you the answer versus walking into a room and looking for the answer in the color of the walls or the conversation next to you or the humming of the fan or your own thoughts or your reflection. Like the whole, I, the whole concept is there to serve you. There isn't just one, one, one way. So say it again about following your passion. And that's where we're going to sort of leave, you know, the listener to kind of fly off into their own <laughs> thought ether you just you have to follow follow your like you said follow your highest level of excitement follow your passion you know the answers and as you're going about your life looking for something it's actually everything so it's everything around you the people that come into your life are people that are supposed to be there and when you're following that passion you're going to end up in circles with people that are there to serve you and to create with you, co-create, or to lift you up. I mean, these are things that are just naturally going to happen. And it's, it's not one teacher teaching a student. There's a, there's a book that says, you know, the old saying of when the student's ready, the teacher appears. But when this also says when the student is ready, teachers appear everywhere. And it can be absolutely everything about your experience. It can be, it, it, it is the experience, the experiences that you're having. If your flight gets canceled and you end up somewhere that you didn't want to be, that's the experience. Whatever that is, is there to serve you in your passion, in, in your, on your path. You are on your path and you're being served these experiences. Receive them. Just receive. See what happens. Hmm, that's beautiful. So tell the listeners where they can get a hold of you, how they can learn more, you know, how they can connect with you more directly. I am. Well, first of all, my website is getthefuckoff.com. Um, the profanity is intentional because I want you all to know that I'm real. Um, but you can find me on Instagram at Andy Scarantino. Andy has two E's. Um, I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn. I think that I'm Andy Scarantino on, I'm Andrea Scarantino on both of those. And then um, you can find me, well, you can, you can find me also at breakfree.getthefuckoff.com if you want to get my emails. You can subscribe to those that way. So those are all of the places. But Instagram is the place that I am the most active. So at Andy Scarantino, it puts you right in touch with me. Send me a DM and I check those. Yeah, you do some great, you host some great live videos there too. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I enjoy it and I'm glad someone's watching, Allison, because, you know, sometimes with live videos, people love reels. So I'm glad that people have an appreciation for the videos because I, I enjoy doing those. Yes, I like watching them. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a pure pleasure. Oh, pleasure is all mine. Thank you. Mm -hmm.